Welcome to the True Grit Strength Podcast. I'm Ryan Steck. And I'm Rachel Geiger. We created the True Grit Strength Podcast so that we can share our stories around how strength training changed us for the better and helped us to discover our athletic potential, develop grit, and pursue growth in all aspects of our lives. It's through our stories that we hope to share with you that regardless of where you are or where you've started from, you can build strength and athleticism in all ages and stages of life despite loss, injuries, or setbacks. So how do you make a comeback to the gym when the odds are stacked against you? Tune in to find out. Hey everybody, Ryan from True Grit Strength here. Before we jump into the episode, I have an exciting announcement to make. This week I launched apparel on my website. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long time and I finally just kind of took the plunge um, and felt like the timing was right to just go ahead and launch it. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to have it on there. Um, There's only one shirt on there and that's purposeful. Um, It's a limited edition run, meaning I only plan on selling a certain number of these. Um, Once once I hit that number, I'm going to be taking it down, uh, creating a new design, and that's kind of going to be my plan moving forward um, is to have a new design up there every single month. So if you go on the website and you see the shirt and you like it, um, I highly encourage you to jump on it um, and purchase it now. Um, Like I said, because I'm only going to be selling um, them for a short limited period of time before I take that design down and launch a new one. So uh, because I appreciate all of you out there who are listening to us week after week, um, I wanted to offer offer you a special opportunity to get a discount on the shirt. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and drop the link um, in the show notes along with the coupon code, which is going to be launch 20. So if you go to my website, you go to checkout, enter launch 20 at checkout, and you'll have the opportunity to get 20% off this shirt. Um, This discount code is only going to be valid through this week meaning that that code will expire on June 13th. So depending on when you listen to this, you might have already missed out on it. No sweat. Uh, next month, I'm going to be launching a new design um, along kind of with a similar format where I only plan on selling um, a limited number of these shirts. All right. Uh, so just wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to get that discount. Again, I'm going to sell, put the link in the show notes. All right. Thank you guys for your support. I really appreciate it. Um, check out the shirt. Um, if you like it, go ahead and jump on it. And I hope um, I hope you buy one. <laughs> All right. We'll get into the episode now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, Ryan has challenged me and him, both of us, to do a new intro um, and I'm really coming up blank. <laughs> I just feel like we start the whole, the same, the podcast the same way every single time. Yeah, we were like, uh, sitting down, getting ready to record, and Ryan was like, um, he calls me Lady, and he said, Lady, I challenge us to try a new intro. And I said, uh, or he goes, because we're always just going, I'm so excited about this episode. We've been talking about it for weeks. <laughs> And I'm like, but that's true. It is true. I was just saying we should we should mix it up. Okay, well, we haven't been talking about this episode for weeks. Right, because these are questions other people have asked us. Um, yeah, so we're doing a Q&A episode today. Um, we're actually going to do a part one and part two. Um, so I am still excited to talk about these questions. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I feel like I need to like make a little announcement first. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, not an announcement. It's um, just a, an update. An, an anecdote. Okay, Ryan has a story. 
This is a new intro. We're doing really good at our challenge. So I bought this just desk chair off Facebook Marketplace. Oh my gosh, this is what you're going to tell the people? I thought you were going to talk about your neck. No, well that's Okay, kind of wow. I was not Okay, I was not prepped for this story. Um Well, I need to talk about it because okay, well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> but I bought this chair off Facebook Marketplace and I was really excited about it cuz I wanted a desk chair that was like comfortable cuz I sit at my desk all day. It's and, like, really cute. Too. They're really expensive. And so yeah. like I was just looking because I know a lot of people are working from home and now they're back at the office. So I th- thought a lot of people would be selling them for a decent price. Anyway, this was not cheap chair. It was $90, which in my realm of chairs is expensive. For a used chair. For yeah. a used chair. Yeah. But it's cool. It's, it's like, nice. It's leather. Not. I it's doubt like, it's real it's leather, leather. But. <laughs> it's pleather. But it's also very like kind of like modern looking yeah it's a little more modern it's got like a black i'm just trying to set the scene for you here it has like a black base um like a swivel base and then the chair itself is kind of like a wraparound chair so it has like armrests on the side and then it's like a i don't know what color is this like a orangey brown yeah. pleather pleather It's really comfortable, but I realized in a lot of Zoom meetings shortly after I bought it why the guy was going to get rid of it, and it's because it makes fart noises. (laughs) I cannot move in this chair without it making a fart noise, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because every time we record the podcast, I'm sitting here like a stone, not moving, because I don't want to make this like fart sound on the microphone. But I just need to tell you guys so that if you hear it now, you know that I'm not just sitting over here farting, that it's this <laughs> dang chair. Well, it's funny because I feel like whenever you buy something, like, on Facebook Marketplace or whatever, it's like, I always go into those purchases being like, okay, but what is it? You know, like, what's the reason? I really want to know the reason why this person's getting rid of it. And sometimes it's like, we're moving into a new space, so it doesn't fit or whatever, and like... Well. But this guy didn't give a reason, and now we know. It's a fart chair. Oh my goodness, this is not what I thought you were going to share. <laughs> well, it like rubs against the desk, and it makes that noise. So anyway, I'm going to move around during the podcast, so if you hear it, you know that I'm not just over here ripping it, I but think, it's just chair. I think if people have been listening to us for long enough, they know that there are going to be a myriad of background noises. Right. Cats, dogs. I mean, we we've really got. I don't, maybe we need a better setup. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we can get into it now. I just wanted to to let y'all know. We're what's, just what's setting. Happening. We're just setting the expectations for y'all. Yeah. That you know what you you're gonna get what you get on this on this episode right. or the show, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, we successfully did another. Uh, intro that we don't normally do, so we're hol- we held ourselves accountable yep. to our challenge. Speaking of, if you did not listen to our last episode on accountability, um, it was definitely my favorite episode that we've ever recorded. Same. Um, I I loved it. I loved yeah. recording it. I loved. I always go back and listen to our episodes just to like you know hear hear room for improvement and things like that and i just felt like i really loved it yeah it's also uh in the top 10 so i think we're on i think this is episode 27 so last week no that's not right oh okay (laughs) (laughs) uh last week 
uh last week's episode is in the top 10 so i know out of 27 episodes that doesn't say a ton but hey it, it shot up there pretty quickly yeah uh, normally like it takes a while for episodes to accumulate that number of listens or whatever to get into the top 10 but this happened in a week so i thought that is a testament to it i also had a lot of people message me about it so that is always a good sign um so anyway of course if you haven't gone back and listened to it it's also one of my favorite i think yeah me too so but we're gonna switch things up this week and reach out to y'all uh, which i did this week um via social media and via email uh to get some q a happening um yeah we love doing q a episodes i love hearing people's questions um you know, because Ryan and I are, like, planning – we usually plan the episodes through, like, our own lens of experience or, like, through, you know, things we're noticing that week or things that are on our mind. And so it's really nice to, like, get a glimpse into your mind and, like, what y'all are thinking. And then we kind of get to do some planning around, like, where your mindset is at, which I really I really enjoy doing. Yeah, I love hearing people's questions. It also just, like, makes me feel good knowing that – the rel- the information that we're talking about on the show is like specifically relevant to challenges that you're facing. So totally. So we've got three. Yeah. Well, so we have we have three questions. Two of them are related to each other. So like one, you'll see when we go through them. Um, but there's there's three questions that we're gonna put po- or that we're gonna go through this week or this episode, and then. We'll come back uh, next week with another episode with three more questions. Yeah, so this will be a two-part or two-week episode. This week will be Q&A. Next week will be also Q&A. Yeah. Um, Cool. So let's dive into it. Awesome. Question number one. Okay, so the first question is, how long should I wait to go back into training after an injury? More specifically, um, this person was referencing like, waking up and feeling a lot of pain and tension in their upper back, neck, and shoulder area. Yeah, so training after after injury can be tricky because it really, there's just like a lot of different ways this could go. Like, did you fall down and break your leg? Did you... Sure, there's like a variety. There's a variety, right? So it really just depends. Obviously, I'm a personal trainer and I am not a doctor, so I am not, or a physical therapist. Um, even though I have some education in those in that area, I'm not qualified to like diagnose medical conditions. But that being said, this is a very very common muscle spasm that happens. I have like I as I am sitting here talking to you, I have one in my neck right, right. now. This is what I thought Ryan was gonna lead the intro <laughs> with, which is that he woke up and had a, a muscle spasm in his neck and shoulder. Yeah. Well, the person that asked this question, like I asked how it happened and he said that he rolled over or he was putting the sheets on his bed or something like that and tweaked his neck. Yeah. And this morning I was like half asleep and went to roll over and I guess I just like stretched in a weird way and it just like immediately tensed up. So um, this used to happen to me literally all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, and I'll tell you in a bit when we get into solution part of the uh answer i'll tell you what i did um to help that not happen prevent that from happening too much but uh anyway as we're sitting here talking to you i cannot turn my head to the left um but this is like weird because this is like probably i would say the number one muscle spasm related type i won't call it an injury because it's not really an injury it's a muscle spasm most of the time 
Um, but this is probably like the number one muscle spasm or area of tension that like I see in clients the most often. Yep. Um, and the reason my, again, not a medical diagnosis, my like hypothesis for why this is, is I just think we live in a very, um, stressed out culture. We're stressed out all the time. And a lot of people, myself included, tend to hold a lot of stress, stress in that neck trap shoulder area yes um without even really realizing it that compounded with the fact that a lot of us are sitting at our desk or looking down at our phone and our Mm -hmm. shoulders are rounded forward um we tend to hold a lot of stress there but we also tend to be in that position a lot right which basically what it what that means uh without going into like the muscle physiology too much is that Basically, all the muscles on the front of our of our chest, in front of our shoulders, in the front of our neck tend to get really, really tight. And the muscles um, on our back tend to get really long, elongated, but also mm. weak. Ooh. Yeah. So um, basically, so to get back to, again, away from the diagnosis part of it, I just wanted to give some background as to like, this is a very common thing that happens. Right. Um. But getting back to the original question, which is like, how long, okay, I've got this muscle spasm on my neck, like, what do I do? And how long do I wait until I can go back to training? So from personal experience, like, I just like to use a very common sense approach. Again, this is going to be very different for each person. And depending on the severity of the muscle spasm, how often this happens to you, um, like this literally just happened to me this morning and I happen to have a rest day today. If I had a lifting day today, I would probably skip it just because of the acuteness and the severity of the muscle spasm right now. That being said, I'm hoping that through some of the things I'm going to get into in a minute, by tomorrow, I'll be feeling a little bit better. Hopefully by Tuesday, I'll be feeling even, even better. Right. Right. And so like, I will probably depending on how it goes i probably won't train heavy again until tuesday i'm gonna give it a couple days unless i wake up tomorrow and it feels all right um but again just use a very common sense approach if you're in acute pain meaning like you just did something and you tweaked your back or you tweaked your neck and it's like in spasm that's usually a good call to just lay off the the, lay, lay off the heavy lifting that right. being said, I would still I would still stretch. I would still try to do some foam rolling. I would still try to do some like soft tissue stuff. I would still try to do like hot and cold therapy. I would take Tylenol, like all those things that are treating like the acute muscle spasm. And then play it literally day by day. So there's no like playbook answer. It's like, oh yeah, after two weeks, you can start training again. Right, like it exactly. really is just like, again, a common sense approach. That being said, I do think that a lot of people maybe baby it a little bit too long yeah like i'm not gonna take a week off training because i tweaked my neck like there's still again the common sense approach to me looks like okay if i can't you know lift heavy today like what else could i potentially do so like for example if i wake up tomorrow and it still feels like i can't turn my head to the left and i'm like okay i'm not gonna go do a heavy bench press because my tension that i create in that bench press is only going to make that muscle spasm worse most likely yeah maybe i can go do cardio or maybe i can train legs instead yeah, this happened to me uh, like a few months ago and I did the same thing where I woke, I just woke up and I was like, wow, I cannot turn my neck to the left. And I did exactly what Ryan told me to do, which was like take that first day off because I was having the acute pain. And then the next day it was like still, I was still feeling it, but it wasn't as like intense. And I was like, well, I need another rest day. And Instead, Ryan was like, well, why don't you just try to do some movement 
but like, you know, modify your workout a little bit so that it's not, you know, you're not only training like your back or whatever. Um, and we did, we made some modifications to my plan for that day and I actually came away from it feeling so much better. And then the next day I was like, oh, I don't even notice that anymore. Yeah. And that's the next thing that I was going to get into talking about is a lot of times, like the reason why I don't like for this specific thing, again, not a doctor, but this is my personal experience. And what I see with clients is you don't want to take too much time because really what you need after that acute pain has kind of subsided a little bit. Yes, you might still feel tightness and it might still be, you might still have some limited range of motion, but like really what you need at that stage is to get the blood flowing to those areas again. And one of the ways to do that obviously is to start lifting again. And I don't mean like jump right back into where you were and go max effort (laughs) or something like that. But this is where as long as you're kind of experiencing some symptoms of this, like you're, you're just going to have to spend a lot longer warming up. All right. right. So that's going to be spending a little bit more time foam rolling. That's going to be adding a little bit longer to your, to your stretching in the beginning of the workout, maybe doing some like mobility drills and like think corrective exercises and things like that for that area, just so you can, and then doing a, like, if you're heavy lifting, doing a lot of warm up sets and letting those warm up sets be the kind of signal of like, okay, like where am I at today and how heavy am I going to go in adjusting the intensity as needed. So it's not really recommended to just completely lay off the workouts and completely lay off the the weightlifting as long as you have this, right? Because that could be a week or two weeks and you've kind of lost, you've, you know, you're losing ground, right? But the goal is you're going to feel better the more movement you can get in at the right intensity, right? And so like, I'm just going to use myself as an example of what my plan is going to be. Again, I'm going to have to take it day by day and see how I feel. But let's say Tuesday, like Monday is supposed to be my bench press day. If I wake up tomorrow and I still can't turn my head to the left and I do some warm-up sets and it still feels tweaky, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to move that to Tuesday. But like Tuesday when I sit down to bench, maybe I'll throw in a couple extra warm-up sets. I'll probably spend maybe 15, 15 minutes at least making sure I really warm up my shoulders, making sure I really stretch stretch everything out. Um, so again... Uh, get back to it, but you got to like ease into it and let those warm up sets be the guide. If I did a warm up set at like 60% and I realized like, oh, I'm still feeling that, like I'm holding that tension in my neck um, for whatever reason and it's making that spasm worse in the moment, I'm going to pull the plug. Right. But if I do those warm up sets and I'm like, oh, actually, this is, this still feels fine. Like I don't feel anything in the moment. I'm going to keep going forward. Right. Um, and just let that be the guide. And remember, like if you're coming back from any injury and you're starting to work out again, a little bit of pain in the moment is typically okay for most things. And by a little bit, I mean like if we're looking at that pain scale of one to 10, like let's say I start doing bench and maybe I feel it in my neck, but it's still maybe at like a six or a seven, I'm probably going to keep going. If it's like a nine or a 10, I'm going to stop. Right. And I'm also going to be very, very conscientious of what I feel like the next day. So if I do do that bench press workout and then the next day that my neck and my the pain in my neck has shot up back again, I'm not going to do that again. Right. So what I'm hearing Ryan say is like, and definitely like a mindset shift I had to make when I started working out was like, I think sometimes we're we're given this idea that it's like an all or nothing kind of thing. Like you either like push through the pain or you like don't do anything for weeks, right? And it's really about actually finding a balance, tuning in with your body, seeing what like you actually need, being very like 
um, you know, keyed into like how you're feeling during a workout. And like, I have found that to be true for myself. There will be times where I'm like, I feel like I can't do a workout due to some type of like pain that I'm feeling. And then I start warming up and I'm like, oh, I'm actually like, okay, I feel all right. Like I can do this and then I'm going to add this and then I'm going to add this. So it's really like, it's not an all or nothing approach. It's more like a balanced, like, let's see what actually feels good in the moment. Right. And again, unless you're in that like very severe, like acute pain stage, I usually don't ever really recommend complete rest anybody because I, from my personal experience with my back pain and everything, like that's not really, after a certain period of time, that's not what helps. It's like getting that blood flowing again is what helps the most. Right. And that means doing some form of exercise. Even back when I like broke my elbow, like, years ago I still trained legs and I still trained my other arm yeah so it's like there's always something you can do like having an injury you just got to get real creative about what else you can fit in without doing any further harm right um okay so jumping into some solution things again some preventative stuff so here's if this is something that happens to you chronically um or a lot and you're tired of it um here's some things that can help Um, In your training sessions, make sure you're doing a lot of upper back movements. So that's like rows, band pull-aparts, face pulls, um, single arm rows, like anything, training the rear delt, so like bent over flies, like all of that stuff. Like we don't nearly get enough um, upper back strengthening exercises, and the stronger your upper back is... um, the the you know the less you'll have to deal with like holding all this tension and stuff in the front right so um also foam rolling upper back so doing myofascial release if you're not familiar with that um get a foam roller and start really foam rolling your mid to upper back helps a ton um again we're always kind of hunched over and and rounded forward so anything that you can do to kind of open it up and get things moving like back in the other direction is really going to help this so i have this like massage ball that i have and i'll like sit here and i'll foam roll my pecs um, and make sure that i'm you know keep staying loose um in that area stretches um so we're looking at stretches for your lats and for your pecs Um, if you just google it there's a ton on there you can't really go wrong with that stuff um and then making sure that you're focusing on proper shoulder positions during any movement so if any kind of like upper body exercise you want to set those shoulders back and down and making sure that you're not letting those shoulders round forward yeah um again and when you're talking about bracing and stuff during weightlifting or any other kind of exercise that requires a stable core making sure that you're really doing that through your diaphragm and your rib cage and you're not saying okay i'm bracing and i'm holding all that tension you know usually when you say take a deep breath and somebody's shoulders rises up towards their yes, ears that's they're me. holding all of their tension and they're bracing in their neck and their shoulders and that's not where we want to be bracing we want to be bracing right. in that those deep breath muscles like deep in the diaphragm so that's something to look out for the last thing i'm going to say if this is something that keeps happening you need to get look at your sleeping situation and your pillow so that was like the game changer for me is i got i was sleeping on a pillow that was not properly supporting my sleep position I mean, it was making me sleep in this weird way that was just creating a lot of tension in my neck that I didn't even realize. And then I would wake up and then it was just very easily to tweak it very easy to tweak things. So if this is something that happens to you a lot and you're used to waking up with this stiff neck situation, you need to look at your pillow. So I don't know if people know this, but they actually make pillows for your specific sleep situation. So if you're somebody that sleeps on your side, their side sleeping pillows stomach back you just got to look into it and like experiment a little bit and find something but 
to me, if that's something that happens to you a lot, that's probably the first place that I would look. Yeah, the the mattress pillow situation really can change things for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, so moving into question number two, which is similarly related to the first question, um, is if I took a month off from lifting, how far should I backtrack so I don't hurt myself or create an injury when getting back into it? Right. So yeah, related because, you know, we're talking about injuries and having to take time off of training. Um, This is a little bit different. The person who asked this question is actually um, having surgery. So they're going to be taking like probably a month off of training. So this is a little bit different than having an injury, but we did feel like it was somewhat related. But anyways, let's say you're taking a significant time off of training for whatever reason, surgery, vacation, illness, whatever it is. Sometimes people have long hiatuses, COVID, for example. Right, right. Um, Anyway, you've taken a long time off of training and now you're trying to get back into it. How do you do that um, without getting hurt and while easing back in? So um, the thing to mainly point out here is that like, uh, when the time comes to start training again, you you will gain strength, regain your strength a lot faster than you gained it the first time. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously dependent on this per- this specific person is somebody that works out regularly as is. So we're talking that you know they're lifting weights a few times a week, they're doing cardio, like they're staying very active, right. and then they know that they're going to have this layoff coming up. When this person goes back to training again, they're not going to be able to start right where they left off, Mm -hmm. right? And so typically, let's say it took, you know, for me to get to my current strength level, let's just say it took like a year. If I had to take like a long layoff um, for like a month, for example, it would not take me a full year to To get get, that You're not going to like start back at 10 pounds. Right. Right. Now, there's a lot of factors that play into this. Like when you start back at it, like how intense are you able to work out? You're not able to work out as intense. So that's where I feel like consistency really plays like a huge factor here. So like, let's say I came off a long layoff and I go back into training. My goal would be to train at least three times a week. The more often that I can train, the quicker I'm going to regain those skills. But I think on in general, it usually takes about half the time. Okay. So it's going to take you, you're not going to lose all of your strength by taking a month off. Now that, you know, so it will probably take like a month or two maybe to feel, start feeling, especially it depends on the injury and why you're taking off. Um, if you're just taking off to travel or whatever is very different than your body recovering from something like a surgery. But I would say, you know, give it a couple months, but to ease back into it, it's, I would try, you're going to have to lower the the volume and lower the weight on what you're doing, obviously. So um, again, I would try to be as consistent as possible because the more consistent you be, the faster you are, the faster you're going to see your progress, obviously. Um, but once you get back into the gym, you're probably going to have to to go back to about maybe like 60%, 50 to 60% of where you were before, right? So you're going to have to scale things back a little bit um, in terms of like the weight that you're lifting, right? And then, but you'll find that like by doing that the right way, you're going to actually start, your body's going to, it's muscle memory, right? Like your body's going to be able to catch back up to itself a lot faster than you think if you're just consistent with it. But like, yes, if you've taken a significant time off, it's like pretty common sense that you're not going to be able to just jump right back in and use the exact same weights that you were prior to you having to take the time off. Right. 
Um, so I think like a general good rule of thumb is like 50 per 50 to 60 percent and that might be like that might feel like really light but that's okay because it's better to start there and be able to just like start making progress faster than it would be to go in there and go super hard and just like murder yourself and then get injured and have to take more time off right I mean it's like what we always say in terms of like long-term sustainability right like you would rather go in and and be a little bit more on the conservative side than go back in and, like, wreck yourself and, like, not feel like you want to show up the next day or the next week or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So if we're talking specifically about strength training here, I would, in terms of weight selection, I would start out at around 50 to 60%, which might feel really light, um, but that's okay because at that point I would be more focused on just getting a lot of reps in. Yeah. Getting a lot of reps in at, you know, a lower weight and getting your body used to that movement again and getting that muscle memory to kick in. Um, if you're coming off of something like a surgery, like your body is going to be, you know, it's going to be, it, things are going to be moving a little bit slower. Sure. Right. And so it's good to just kind of ease into it. And then after a week or two, like I would give it a couple of weeks and then just reevaluate it. And if you still feel like it's too easy, then you can start increasing the load again. But the whole idea is just to like get as many reps in as you can at that lower weight until you feel ready to start slowly making progress back up. Once you're there, you're off to the races. And I think you'll you'll get that strength back a lot faster than you think. I also think just like another plug to be super gentle with yourself in this time, like with your on the mental side of things. Um, I think it can be really easy when you have to take time off and then you go back in and you're like, maybe your workout doesn't feel great or maybe it like you feel like you've lost all your strength or whatever. Like in this scenario, I always like to think of like factors feeling like you might feel like you've lost all your strength and you've lost all the progress you made. But like if you look at the facts of what you're actually doing, like going back to that hard data, like if you're lifting 60% of what you were when before you took this time off, like that's probably more than where you started from. Right. So be gentle with your with the mental side of things. Give yourself some grace and some like time to ramp back up and like mentally get back into it because I think that can be a really hard side of things too yeah also last thing shameless plug the strength program that i have for sale on my website right now is built exactly for this reason so it's the comeback right it's it's like geared specifically towards people who are coming off of some sort of injury or some like kind of long hiatus from from training and they're trying to get back into it and it's also really good for beginners so if you've never lifted weights before and you need to do that it's the same kind of approach where it's like we're gonna let your uh body kind of judge the intensity in the beginning and then it gradually increases over the eight weeks so yep um it's a great way to get back into it if you or just to that's the program i started on yeah um when i started working out so you know i started there and it gave me a great foundation another shameless plug (laughs) (laughs) all right y'all uh question number three what is the best way to get someone to move from casual interest to to the starting point of fitness I have a group of friends who have seen my own results and are intrigued, but never seem to be able to take the plunge. Without nagging them, how can they get started? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm laughing because this is like literally the hardest part about being a coach. Right. Ryan and I talk about this a lot. Um, And we, we share this frustration of like, 
because a lot of people naturally come to Ryan or me, you know, because they know that we work out or that we like, or, you know, that Ryan's a personal trainer and they're, they'll ask for advice or whatever and we'll tell them what we know. And then it's like, but they never get started. And it, and we're always like, what is the thing? Like, how do you get someone to move the needle from like having interest to actually doing it? Right. Again, and then like, you know, people come to me with problems that they're having and these are clients and non-clients and, you know, you know, I'll provide some sort of path or path forward or some kind of solution that I know would help them. And then, you know, but then following through on that is a, is a totally different aspect of the situation. And I think like really what we're talking about here and like where this question is coming from and the, in the, you know, the person asking the question, their frustration is it's really, really hard when you're on this side of things. Yes. So you've already kind of been working at this long enough to see and understand how it's impacted your life and how good you feel. And you've been able to, you're at it long enough so you can see all the great benefits. And then it's part of that enjoyment and excitement that you want to share that and you want everyone else to know about it so that you, so because you know that you have what they need to, to get where they want to go. Right. You're on the other side. Right. So you, you know, exactly, you know, and you can see them where they're at and you can see where they're struggling and it's frustrating because you feel like you have the answers. Right. Because you were also in that place before. Because you were also in that place, but they're for whatever reason tuning you out or they're not listening to you. And again, Like I said, like this is probably the most frustrating thing about being a coach is knowing that you have the tools and resources to help somebody with what they're going through. But the biggest blocker here and what we're going to talk about is um, they have to be ready. Yep. And there's literally nothing that you can do or say say that is going to change that. So if somebody's coming to you and they're expressing interest or they're coming to you with some sort of problem and you have a solution, and I guess this really goes for anything, but especially with like fitness and health related things, mm-hmm. like they have to get bought in on their own terms yep. or it will never stick. Meaning that like, even though it is very exciting to go and talk about your experience and share things that you think might be helpful for them, Um, that alone is not going to be enough for them to change what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so literally the best thing that you can do in this situation is to continue to have your own experience and to lead by example, which is what we try to do every single day. Yeah. It's like, as much as I wish I could broadcast from the rooftops and knock on doors and talk to people about my experience and how I think they could be helped. Like, I can't do that. Like I have to just live by my own values and live by what I know helps me and lead by example to show others like what is possible and what can happen. And the more that I can share my own experience, the more other people can understand like the benefits of what, what we're saying. Yeah. Right. Um, Right. And I think, um, something that like I have noticed is, Ryan and I talk a lot about how we feel we've like kind of tapped into this thing that like really works for us like fitness and nutrition and like specifically for me like not drinking is like a thing I've tapped into that like has has made my life go from like one that I was just kind of like existing in into one that like I love and am excited to be a part of. You know, like, my whole perspective on life has shifted because of these things. And 
it's really easy for me to want to be like, to tell everyone to be like, oh my gosh, I like, I figured it out. Like I figured out the thing that makes my life so much better. And like, let me share that with you and you should do it too. But like people aren't going to, people just won't hear that. Um, And like Ryan said, you really have to just like lead from the example. So what that looks like is a lot of times people will come to me and like notice things about me and ask how I do it. Like, oh, I noticed that like your anxiety is lower. Like, what are you doing? And oftentimes my answer is like, oh, I'm like working out and not drinking. And they're like, oh, (laughs) you know, because maybe that's not like the magic answer they were looking for. Um, but like people are going to notice when you're like feeling better, looking better, all these things. Mm -hmm. And you really just have to like keep, keep owning your own experience and living into it and like showing up that way. Right. And like, I also want to point out like, yes, we have to lead by example. We have to show them what's possible by leading by example, but also simply them seeing that is maybe enough to pique their interest. Like the the original question said, it's enough to pique their interest to want to know more, but that alone is not going to be enough for them to make like a complete lifestyle change. So like to get somebody from like that point A to point B, um, you can't convince them, right? So nothing that you can, you can show them what's possible so that mm-hmm. they know what their options are, but like they're going to have to ultimately make that decision on their own. Exactly. And like I've made the choice, the mistake about this like very, very early on in my career, or even just my own interest in training is that like you can't make suggestions to other people and you can't tell them what to do. So yep. like you can't say like, oh my God, like I started working out all the time and I feel amazing. Like you got to do this. Like as as <laughs> as tricky and as much as that some might seem very innocent and it is right. You have something that you think would help. You're just trying to help, right? But yeah. like you can't you can't just jump to that point because for people who are on the fence about this, it can be kind of sensitive and it might just like you yeah. know if they feel like they're being convinced, they're going to be less likely to stick with it. They're going to be less likely, honestly, to do it in the first place. So right. basically, what I'm saying is like people kind of have to with I, in my experience, like with fitness and nutrition related stuff, because it's is can be such a huge lifestyle change. People have to kind of come to that conclusion at their on their own terms and yep. at their own pace. It's still very valuable for them to see what the possibilities are, and that's why that's why my company exists and that's why this podcast exists and that's why we talk about all the things that we talk about is so that people know what the options are um but if for anybody who's been in in, or learned anything about psychology i'm sure you've heard before about the sort of stages of change uh behavior model right um we're not going to go too deep into that but like basically what it is is just like a, a continuum of being like super not ready to do something to being like very ready and willing to do something and that whole continuum right there um what people need at those different stages is very different mm-hmm. um oftentimes when people are in that point where they're maybe considering something but they're not totally sure yet like they need more uh they're more motivated motivated by external things and so that's where your relationship with that person can come into play, right? Because they're on the fence and you're showing them, maybe they see how you're performing or how you're feeling and they can be motivated by that. That's an external motivating factor, right? right? But that's not going to be enough to make them take the plunge on their own. Right. 
on this like further on the right scale where somebody's like okay i'm like hiring a personal trainer i'm like jumping on board i'm like getting home gym equipment i'm like ready to go i'm like ready to make this lifestyle change they need to be more intrinsically motivated meaning that they have to be more motivated by their own personal experience and why this change is important to them Mm -hmm. and that's not something that you can do for somebody else right you can't explain that away to someone else right exactly and so like this is exactly why when I get clients who maybe even go as far as to sign up with me and then it's very obvious and within a few weeks that they're really just not ready to do it Mm mm-hmm as frustrating as that is, or even just in conversation with somebody who's thinking about it, as frustrating as that is, because I know I could help that person, I can't help them get to that point B. I can't answer those intrinsic motivational questions for them. Like, I can't tell them why this is important to them or why they should care. Um, they have to kind of come to that conclusion on their own. Right. Yeah. I can ask the right questions. I can show them a certain path I can try to guide them to that answer right but I can't answer for them like why is losing weight so important to you like I can't I can't answer that for them right like they have to come to that conclusion on their own yeah and I just think in my own personal experience like I went through this exact thing with Ryan and I think it's part of what makes him a really great coach is like he was really into to working out and like tracking macros and paying attention to nutrition and all of these things. And like early on, like I was not. Like I had no interest in those things. It was like not something I even thought I wanted to care about. And there was never a point in, you know, in that experience where Ryan ever was like, well, you, you have to just start working out or you have to track your macros or you have to do this or you have to do that. It's the only way you'll be successful. Like that never occurred. What actually occurred was like, I saw Ryan going to the gym and like feeling a lot better. And I noticed his motivation or his energy levels increase. And I noticed like changes in his body composition and changes in his moods and like things like this. And I was like, oh, like I am seeing all these like personal growth things from Ryan based on what he's doing. Like, I wonder what that would be like for me. And it was through that, that it was like through watching his own experience that I then felt like inspired and motivated to like try something different for myself as well to see what would happen. And even still, that was a slow build for me. Like I started with weight training, but then like didn't even introduce macro counting until like almost a year later. Like, you know, it's everyone comes into this experience like through their own timeline. And I think the the valuable thing that Ryan gave me, not as he wasn't my coach, but he was my partner. But I think the valuable things that he brings to coaching is like he lets he let me like create my own timeline timeline for myself which like gave me ownership over my own experience Mm -hmm. and then it became mine and like something that like I became invested in because of like me not because it's like oh well Ryan's like telling me to work out it like I was able to hook into a why for myself which which I think is what keeps me still going now like four years later right you know because it's like something I did for me not something I did for because Ryan did it or because, you know, my friend told me to or whatever. Like, I think that's what makes it sustainable and, like, long-term. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you're saying, too, is, like, 
the difference between like they're like we are all rational like i think there's not a person probably not a lot of people out there who don't understand like the rational benefits of of exercise and nutrition like those have been part of like health guidelines for like (laughs) as long as i can think back you know what i mean like so we all know that like exercise makes us healthy we all know that like eating healthier you know making healthier food choices can be beneficial to our bodies like this is all like these are all rational like you know knowledgeable things that we that we have information that we have right that's not enough if that were enough for people just to simply know that everyone would do it everyone would be (laughs) completely jacked and fit right right? like everybody (laughs) but like what actually makes us make a change and what actually helps us to move forward are these more emotional reasons and these are the things that we need to kind of tap into like I knew all growing up that exercising 30 minutes a day is like what you're supposed to be doing, right? But I never did it. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it has to be, there has to be some kind of emotional tie to like why you're doing it. So for the person who asked this question, um, you know, obviously, you know, whether you ever shared that with me or not, there was an emotional reason why you chose to start working out and why you chose to make this lifestyle change. Even if maybe it wasn't very obvious to you in the beginning, maybe after a month or two, it became more obvious. Like that's also fine and normal. But like, I think, you know, you developed that reason for why you continue to stick with it and continuing to do it. And like, whoever it is that you're trying to help needs to come to that point. Yeah. So like for me as a coach, I try to help people navigate to that point. Like figuring out their why. Right. So it's like, oh, you come to me and you want to lose weight. It's like, okay, great. Like, why is that important to you? Right. And another shameless plug, if you have not like listened to our earlier episodes, Ryan and I did a lot of work like supporting, you know, people and going through that through that work of like reflecting and figuring out your why we shared our whys and like it it really is an important um aspect of like health and nutrition and fitness that you wouldn't think would be there but like the why really matters and it what it is the thing that keeps you showing up when you don't want to and I think it's like you know it just it's helpful to know that so yeah again and you know i'm not saying like it's definitely helpful obviously to have external motivators like you know there's people that i look up to that help motivate me when i don't feel like doing anything like sure it's not to say that like those those role models and those people who in your life who are leading by example who you look up to as like maybe a point where you want to get to or somebody that you just admire like that's all still very important so it's important to continue to lead by example and to continue showing up for those people to show them what's possible to set an example right to maybe be a provider of information if they come and ask you a specific question for help but just know that like you kind of have to let go of the responsibility that you can't force somebody to make that big of a change if they're not yet ready to do that yeah and when they that point comes and they do come to you and ask for help and be like hey could you share a little bit more about i'm looking to start a routine can you share a little bit more with me about what you do you can give that information but just be careful to stay away from uh to stay away from you know you should do this you should do that and and keep it very personal to you and just say this is what work this is what's worked for me and then you know obviously if you can refer them to somebody else who can help then that is also good like a coach or something i mean yeah and i think it's helpful to i've learned through my own experience of like wishing that you know the people i loved in my life would like 
get on board with all the things I'm doing. I think, like Ryan just said, like that can be a really, um, I think it can be like a process that sets you up for like a lot of frustration, you know, and it's good to have a boundary around like if someone is like coming to me for advice, like I am not responsible for their progress and their success. Like I am only responsible for my progress and my own success because like I'm not, you know, I'm not responsible for that. That's been important for me to learn. Yeah. I mean, as a coach, I can't say I mean, I yeah. That that, I, I, was, that I was going to say, like, I do feel I know very that's responsible. But no, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's kind of what's very hard about this job sometimes is like, there is a point in which I'm like, okay, I've gone above and beyond for this person. I've yeah. tried to guide them. I've tried to give them the resources that I have. I've tried to check in and hold them accountable. But yes, there's still a certain point where it's a two way street. And right. it's like, I can only, I can't, what is that quote or that phrase? It's like, you can lead a horse to water, but yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. force them to drink. Right. It's like, I can show them the resources and help guide them, but I can't make them do something that they don't right. want to do. I just mean from like a personal perspective, because I'm not a coach and for the person who's asking this question, like a lot of times when people come to me, like I point them in the direction of you because it's like, I while I know a lot about this, like, it's not my job to coach you through it, but it is yours, right? Like, it's similar, like, if someone came to you for, like, some type of, like, emotional support, you know, and, like, well, I'm not a therapist. I can definitely listen, but, like, I'm not going to be able to fix everything for you. Right, So that's kind of what I was saying. Like, if if you're not a coach and you're just, like, a person trying to help someone, like, just make sure you're taking care of yourself, too, and recognizing that you're not responsible for other people's growth. Right. Yeah, exactly. So best advice, honestly, is just to keep leading by example yeah. and be very patient. And when people are ready to make that change, um, you will probably be the first person that they come to and then you can help them or you can, you know, guide them down the path that you think would be best. Yeah. All right. Cool. So that's it for our three um, questions today. We're going to come back next week with three more questions. Um, and yeah. I hope y'all have a great week. Yeah. And a great Sunday. Awesome. We'll record this episode, the next episode later on this week. Yep. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Bye.